Welcome to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, a podcast about history, true crime, and whatever life brings us. I'm Courtney, and every week I am joined by another fascinating person. Let's see what we're going to talk about this week. Thanks to our new patron, BK John, aka The Snorch. Our other patrons, Jules, Landshark, Murderific Podcast, Obscura, a true crime podcast and Strictly Homicide. Thanks for supporting the collective. Hi, my name is Jessica. And I'm Jonas. We are co-founders of the inclusive horror collective Artemisia's Axe and the Corpse's Tongue, based in Glasgow, UK. We are here today to talk to you about our new crowdfunder campaign called Neon Horror. An anthology of short fiction and illustrations by creators in the LGBTQI community. We've often felt left out of larger conversations in the horror genre and creative opportunities in general. So we wanted to give others like ourselves a chance to make their voices heard out there. With your help, we can pay our creators more and support two amazing LGBTQ plus charities in the UK. One called Mermaids UK and the other is called The Tie Campaign, both who do essential work for our communities. So go on crowdfunder.co.uk today and support Neon Horror. And remember, supporting queer artists is awesome. Welcome back, devotees. This week, I'm here with a lovely Carrie from Sip and Shine, Mom on the Rocks. Is that the only two? You only have two, right? Yes, and I really, really <laughs> want to do a third. I know it sounds like an addiction, but I want to do the third with a co-host. I think it would just be insane if I actually tried to do it by myself. And I just want to co-host. I don't want to talk to dead air. It's so much more fun. That's why I have one solo episode. <laughs> well, I can't do it. No, I can't. It just sounds like ravings from like a mad woman when I do it by myself. I also just hate scripting. Yeah, no, me personally. too. Me too. So, okay. So I have two Ohio serial killers for you because apparently in my list, that's all I have for true crime right now. It's just Ohio serial killers. Ohio, if they have a lot of serial killers, you know the most presidents come from Ohio too. And the most astronauts. Yeah, see? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is it about the state? Either people are trying to get in or stay in there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And really it's weird because Ohio, we're like tied for with Virginia because it's either if it's like birth state or the state they say they're from. Mm -hmm. So like someone, I think Grant says he's from New York, but he was like born in Ohio or something like that. There's like bullshit like that. Um, but yeah, no. Is it Cincinnati has Taft, Cleveland has McKinney, been to Harding's house. I have an episode coming up on him. <laughs> he's a, he's an interesting dude. His house is gorgeous. I recommend it. Seriously, go. Um, see if you can. You better have a gorgeous house to make it up to his wife for all of his mm -hmm. extracurricular yeah, activities. Um, yeah, and what else? Um, Do you think any of the presidents are sexy? Is there anyone that you would have been like, I, even if you don't think they're sexy, even if you're like, I just wish we had dinner, like they would be interesting dinner companion. I think it'd be fun to talk to like Jefferson. I think he'd be interesting to talk to. Oh my gosh, that's the first thing that came to my mind too. When you figure out what you're doing with your career, I will totally send you a bottle of his wine if I'm legally allowed to do it through the mail to you where. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. listeners. To <laughs> yeah. We were talking about this before. I just had a job interview today. So like, Carrie was like, we can do it earlier. And I was like, I need to like go cool down because it's a very nerve wracking thing. So I was just very warm. I needed to go walk around my apartment you're for like 20 minutes. You're to so cool me. Down. I'm like, no, I need some time to come back down. Like, 
I need some time to calm down and get right with myself. Well, especially because the interview ended because it was a, it was like a Skype interview because both of us were having like technic technology problems. Yeah. So it just, it like, it just went black. Everything just went black. Maybe that and I was just like, oh. they'll remember you and maybe that will actually play in your favor because I'm sure you were very charming about it. So that actually might've been a better thing for you. Yeah. So I was just very, I was like panicking and I was like, because normally when I do anything via Skype or anything like that, cause my computer tends to not like Wi-Fi. So I have it plugged into the Ethernet cord constantly. And I didn't do that because I was like, it's better lighting. It's a better, more professional setting for me to be in a real chair, not on my couch. And I didn't do that. And I was just like, is this my fault? (sighs) I think it was. And so you text me and you're like, do you want to do it over whatever we decided what platform? Zoom. And I had the same panic attack because I had just gotten back from the commissary, like grocery shopping. And mm-hmm. I avoid that, like the plague. I will use Instacart. I will use do anything possible. I will eat like crackers and peanut butter to not have to go to the grocery store. So I had that same feeling of panic when you texted me and said, oh, do you want to use Zoom? I'm like, please don't say it's early because I need some time to like, get right with mm-hmm. myself and come back down from the trauma of having to go grocery shopping. Yes. So I have two Ohio he- serial killer, well, two separate serial killer accounts because there's not a lot on either of them. Mm-hmm. I was going to do another one, but there's an entire book on it. And I was like, okay, there's details on this. So I, I have to, I'll probably push it to Patreon. But so I have, the first one is Larry Ralston. Okay. And he's a, a Cincy boy, so real close. He was a 28-year-old dropout. So, like, Larry Ralston was a 28-year-old unemployed dropout from Norwood High School. So, Norwood's... Norwood! How to describe Norwood? <laughs> it's weird because Norwood is a city that is kind of semi-surrounded by the actual city of Cincinnati. Because since... I think I've explained this before. And I know way too much about Cincinnati formation and history. Uh, I had to learn it. So you're welcome. I was about to say, I'm pretty impressed. The only thing I know is <laughs> WKRP Cincinnati. Know that? I don't even know that. That was a TV <laughs> show with Lonnie Anderson. And I think okay. I flew there to go to, is that the one you fly into to go to Kentucky? Oh yeah. Our airport's in Kentucky. Yes. That, I've and been depending, there because of that. Yeah. And depending on wh- how you're getting there, you might have to drive into Indiana. And I went to the graveyard, which I remember we bonded over because it's on your top, like, five things oh, to do in yeah. TripAdvisor. That's an amazing song. I went there for class, um, Spring Hill. People, everybody goes there to read and to bike and to have great family memories, apparently. They, it's, it's because they want the land, like it's a big green space and people don't always realize like cemeteries are kind of a great way to go to parks and stuff because it's already a green space. You just have to be respectful. And that one is cr- like, has some crazy beautiful tombs. Mm-hmm. Seriously, you should, you should go there. Like, I think they do a 5k around Halloween. Yeah, I could see But that. I, I mean, but yes, Norwood. Um, so Cincinnati, because they couldn't go south across the river, they just go, we, they kept going north and like basically incorporating villages and like annexing villages as they went. Um, granted the villages did get an option. So normally they'd be like, Hey, do you want to join us? Or they'd like ask because they could get hooked up to like water and like, sewers and lights and all the good things. Norwood 
because it was industrious and they had industries and stuff like that, they kind of remained separate. But you really, yeah, Cincinnati's weird like that. <laughs> it's a, a, like, if you look at the shape of it, it really kind of explains it. You're like, oh yeah, this definitely is odd. So Ralston held jobs at the Hamilton County Morgue, the State Mental Hospital, Okay, that, between those two jobs, those are both kind of like a downer. And I say that from experience, I have been to the mental hospitals. So that's kind I've of- I've been to the morgue. That's kind of on the those one scale. <laughs> yeah, the mental hospital I could see being a very big downer. Um, I'm guessing it was probably within the count, like Hamilton County. So Hamilton County is majority of Cincinnati and then like some outskirting cities. It's pretty large. It's one of the, I think between that and Cuyahoga, they're probably in whatever one Columbus is. They're probably the largest counties in the state. So he'd had those two odd jobs. On top of it, he was still living at home and really didn't have a lot of friends. His father at the time of his capture told reporters, he was like, hey, you know, your lifestyle's not great. You're sleeping all day staying out all night, running around with young girls, and that's only going to, like, bring you trouble. While his mother was like, he's such a likable boy. He could talk to anyone, even if he doesn't know him. Like, you don't know him? He'll talk so. Yeah, to, like I said, talk this- to you to pick you up to, like, for his <laughs> nefarious means. It sounds like a vampire. Oh, my God. That would be great. He sleeps all day. He's He probably is a vampire. Sounds like a Tinder profile for a vampire. Yeah, I learned I'm bad at social media, like dating apps, so (laughs) I just stopped going on them. I'm like, this is too socially awkward. Let's not do this. So I would not be that person. They'd be like, I'm a vampire. And I'd be like, okay then bye <laughs> i'm gonna delete this app off my phone meanwhile and about i have it for like questions i'd be like all right i need i have some real questions here i'm not gonna entertain you but i want to i want i need i need to know i need to know first of all are you a psychic vampire do you drink blood yeah like just standard questions um do you have fake teeth i would be asking all of that mm-hmm Do you have any ties to Transylvania? Is that like a thing? (laughs) Transylvania is a place. So September 3rd, 1975, Linda K. Harmon, 17 years old, disappeared while waiting for a bus at the Wolfgangle Road and Beachmont Avenue bus stop. And it was three blocks from home. It was going to be her first day at Withrow High School. And that's like a really nice, like at this period in time, it's still a really nice high school. Um, I believe, like, famous architects designed it and stuff like that. And this was, like, she had just moved from Finneytown. I don't know where that is, but but she never made it. Her body parts were found scattered in a wooded area in Felicity 34 days later because, and this is horrible, two dogs dragged pieces of her arms to their owner's porch. Mm. So the dogs had found it and, like, just, like owner i found you a thing and they're like oh no that's an arm see that's a little bit new because i've been saying the other day uh what would we do without hunters because they usually find all the bodies and joggers yeah exactly joggers hunters and apparently now i'm gonna have to add in dogs which is that's not the thing i would want to show up on my porch no it terrifies me because my sister lives near the woods so like her dog like if i take her dog anywhere i'm always like well gonna find a body so ralston then murdered mary ruth hopkins who was 21 of cincinnati's east end they found her naked body uh with a t-shirt wrapped around her neck on june 30th 1976 off of five mile road in anderson township so I'm remembering my geography. That's east of Cincinnati, closer to Indiana, between Indiana and Cincinnati. A year later, 
They found nude remains of other young women in shallow graves. They have Nancy Grisby, 23, of Withamsville, who was a disabled woman who frequented bars in Clifton, which is where the University of Cincinnati is, on top of Madisonville and Mount Lookout. And she disappeared May 4th, 1976, on her way to meet her boyfriend in Fairfax. The hunters had discovered her body November 15th. 1976 on Moore Marathon Road in Claremont County's Jackson Township. So rural, and if I remember correctly, actually, Cl- uh, Claremont County is west of Cincinnati. I've, I've somehow learned Cincinnati geography very well. On top of that, there was Elaine Marie Bear, 15, of Northside. She was found February 28th, 1977, in a creek bed off of Katie's Lane near Wilmington in Clifton County. So it's like we, the story, you don't really get a lot on the the victims. You really also don't get a lot on the killer either. So it's just bare minimum. The only time I have ever really read, unless it's a very in-depth look at one particular case, Mm -hmm. is the Long Island serial killer. There's a book about it. Mm -hmm. It's neat. It's written by Robert something. I don't even remember the last name probably the best book I've ever read because he went, he didn't know who the killer was. So all he could do was go into depth about each victim's life. So he talked to their families and interviewed them and you got like a really clear picture of who the victims were. But I think it's really hard a lot of times to find anything on some of these people, which is kind of sad. I think normally the families are having trouble coping. And I, I mean, that's completely valid you know, to have those problems, realizing to deal with what's happened and all of that. And so you don't really talk to people. And this case, I think I just stumbled across probably doing research for my last job. And it's just what popped up. And I was like, ooh, write that down. Let's go and deal with it later. So September 24th, 1977, Larry offers a ride to three 15-year-old girls from Price Hill. And he's like, oh, I'll drop you off at the movies. Instead, he takes them to Round Bottom Road in Claremont County, like Union Township. He blocks the passenger side of the car against an embankment and then proceeds to rape the girls. They only manage to escape when a car approaches two hours later, which is so messed up. October 1977. Because of those girls escaping, a Claremont County grand jury indicts Ralston on three counts of rape and kidnapping involving the girls. So that's six counts total. Mm -hmm. Three rape, three kidnapping. And that's the beginning of the end. Because October 22nd, they find the skeletal remains of Diana Sue McCroby in Eastern Fork State Park in Claremont County, and the police realized she had dated Ralston. So November 10th of that year, Ralston is at his sister's house in Mount Prospect, Illinois, and that's where he's arrested. They bring him back to Ohio, and they take him to the Claremont County Jail in Batvia. It's a a Midwestern thing. It looks like Batavia, Mm -hmm. like Germany. Yeah, that's what I was like. No, but it's Batvia. Welcome to the Midwest. We don't pronounce anything the way it's supposed to be pronounced. We have Seville, Versailles, and they're pronounced like completely wrong. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh does that too. They have Versailles. Versailles, yeah. Versailles is a very Midwestern thing. I think most Midwestern states have a Versailles. And whenever you hear European people, they're like, oh yeah, it's this. And I have to message them like, welcome to the Midwest, bitches. Yeah. We don't do that. (laughs) So investigator Bob Stout begins to interrogate him and they 
you can't i think you can look up the taped confessions which were played in court he ralston tells him how he would pick up hitchhiking victims drive them around while drinking wine smoking weed and then he would uh strangle them because they wouldn't have sex with him which is not what you do Mm-mm. quote after every murder he did he would go to a friend's house and he said he would turn on the song fly like an eagle it just put him in a trance, made him feel better about what he just did, end quote. So that's what he told the invest. That's like what the investigator said in court. I don't know. That kind of ruins that song. Hmm. Yeah. And really, Larry enjoyed talking about watching people die. So, we, I mean, in the true crime community, we're always, we talk about these. And I, in this case, we don't really know a lot about either the perpetrator or the victim, but we need to like put it out there so we can find out more about both and so it just hurts me that we have more information on the vic like on the perpetrator than the victim in this case because he did murder so many people yeah and who were just trying to get places that's really sad Mm -hmm. and that's what i've been saying before is it's and you were saying like that's a nice area and all that Mm -hmm. i always say it things happen in every area it doesn't matter how much money you make or Whatever demographic or whatever you want to say, everyone needs to be on guard. Oh, yeah. Be hella aware. Take Tina Fey post 9-11 when they kept raising the, um, they kept like being like, oh, you need to be more alert. She goes, I can't be, and because NBC doesn't let them swear, more freaking alert. That's how I live my life. Like whenever I go places, they're always like, you need to be aware for pickpockets. Like, bitch, you assume I'm not aware about pickpockets. (laughs) So, quote, he worked at Longview Hospital. One of those things he really got off on was the fact that he missed his lunch hour maybe for maybe three or four days for a week in order to watch a person die, end quote, which the investigator, Mr. Stout, recalled in interviews. Uh, with Ralston in November 1977. Quote, he would be taking care of these people just in his area. He would know they were dying. He would just go watch. Unquote. So he's like a fucked up. He's just fucked up. I'm sorry. It is sad. It's, it's, it's depressing because like, like it's a weird depressing thing because someone's there, but they're not there in like a comforting capacity. Mm-hmm. They're there because they want to watch. Yeah. February 16th, 78, Hamilton County has a grand jury indict him on aggravated murder and attempted rape charges of Mary Ruth Hopkins. May of that year, after about seven hours of deliberations, a Claremont County jury convicts Ralston of aggravated murder and rape in the death of Elena Marie Bear. So they're trying them separately. We have... June of that year, which is when Ralston is sentenced to death in Miss Bear's murder and is scheduled to die in the electric chair in October. Actually, Halloween, October 31st of first of 1978. They're still trying him in this time. So in July, beginning of July, same year, he's convicted in the slaying of Miss Crowby. They sentence him to life in prison. However, in July, later that month, at the end of the month, Ralston is having his death sentence commuted after the Supreme Court rules um, Ohio's capital punishment law is unconstitutional. There is that. This is like the period where they we move away from the death penalty. But if you were looking at it, so it's June, he gets sentenced to die for the end of October. And then end of like a month later, they're like, nah, it's unconstitutional. You have the beginning of August. He's convicted of aggravated murder in the slaying of Linda K. Harmon and is given life in prison. End of the month, Judge William Young, who was visiting from Warren County, convicts Ralston 
in the death of Nancy Grisby and sentenced him to another life. So, so does so that happen a lot out there where you have visiting judges? Um, I think probably if they're rural areas, like someone's on vacation or something like that, and you have to keep the schedule. Because uh, I, I don't I've think had where I've had got a speeding ticket and I had to go to one of those. I don't know if it was a church or a school. And then I, mm-hmm. I showed up because I, it was, I've never had a ticket before and I took yeah. driver's ed and everything. Uh, okay. And I probably didn't even need to pull over, but the cop, I didn't know who he was pulling over. So I pulled over too with the other car. <laughs> I was like uh, really worried about breaking the rules, but I was just curious how that worked. If you could just borrow judges. I think in like some of these counties, they're not that big. So you don't have like Hamilton County has a lot of judges. Um, Franklin County, which is Columbus, has a lot. Dayton will have a lot. Like, depends on where you are. Mm-hmm. Probably the amount of judges. I think we're up to, let's see, two, three, we're up to four life sentences. Then we have in September of that year, so 78, Ralston pleads guilty to two counts of rape involving the three Price Hill girls. And as it's a plea bargain, they drop one count of rape and the kidnapping charges because they've already got him on four, you know, murder charges. So in that, he receives two concurrent seven to 25-year terms on the rape to run consecutively with the four life sentences. We have then in um, the next year, November 7th, the state appeals court overturns the Gribsby conviction, murder conviction, saying the prosecutor did not establish cause of death during the trial. And this continues in eight, in the 80s when the Ohio Supreme Court actually demit, like they, the prosecutors go up further and they say um, the Claremont County prosecutors were late in filing an appeal to the Nova, November 7th decision. So they have to go back all the way. But they do, in 83, they do uphold the convictions on the Bear, Crosby, and Harmon cases. In 84, Ralston does plead guilty to aggravated murder and the death of Hopkins and sentenced to life. So we're back up to four life sentences. And last update on him was in January 1999. He will spend at least um, the next decade. So if you think about that, that's now mm-hmm. um, <laughs> in prison after murdering four young women in the 70s the parole board had denied his release that tuesday even though he had good behavior and earned him a bet in the dormitory for quote-unquote privileged inmate and a job working on the ohio department of transportation trucks so he's working on our odot trucks and i'm not a fan of this at all Mm-mm. i'm not liking any of this so that's larry ralston and now i have the other ohio murderers and this is from uh Central Ohio okay. is where it starts. It's a cross-country journey. Okay. So we're going to start in Newcomer's Town, which is between Columbus and Pittsburgh. Okay. So they were saying it was Southern Ohio, but I was looking at that. I was like, no, Southern Ohio, I laugh. And I like, we were like, okay, in Ohio, I-70 is like the Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> Southern Ohio is south of I-70, and this is not. And we're going to be talking about serial killers. This is a team. Lewis. Eugene Gilbert and Eric Elliott. They're both from Newcomer's Town, Ohio. It's um, about 12,000 people and it's in Tuscarawas County. And the sheriff at the time, Harold uh, McKinney, McKinney, 
says, quote, I can't remember when they've had a murder down there. I've been in office 12 years and we've never had a murder in that section of uh, the county, end quote. And this is pretty much all in 1994. It's like about a month, I think, that they all this happens. <laughs> it began August 1994 um, when an elderly Port Washington woman named Ruth Lucille Loder, who was 78 or 79, sorry, was discovered missing from her home and her car was also noticed stolen. She was recovering from cancer surgery and had not been seen since. So that's all they know is they just were like, hey, no one's really seen her. Um, her car is missing. What's up? They find her car in, do you want to guess where? Like, just give me a state. Nowhere. Kingdom City, Missouri. That's really bizarre. Yeah. So it was abandoned in a pasture near the farmhouse of William Brewer, 86, and Flossie Mae Brewer, 76. They had FBI agent Peter A. Christ from Canton, Ohio, said that Elliot reportedly had been seen at the truck stop about a mile from where Loader's car was found. So they, people had kind of noticed that they were in the car, but like the, not so much on their trails. The next day, the bodies of William Brewer and his wife Flossie were found in their home. And this is only, like I said, it's like really close. It's about 150 yards from where the car was. Each had been shot three times, and their 1981 Oldsmobile Cutlass was missing. I used that was my first car. <laughs> I don't even know what a Cutlass is. I I, I was a pimpin' mobile man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'll believe you on that. So then Elliot and Gilbert turn up at the home of Gilbert's mother, Yvonne Rowan, in Oklahoma, specifically Tecalawila, Oklahoma, and they were driving a car rumored to be similar to the Brewers. They told the mom, oh, you know, the car belongs to our friend and we're going off to California, I don't know, Texas or Florida. Not really specific. They leave Rowan's home Friday evening. Then on that Sunday, like I said, this is like about, I think, two weeks yeah. to a month that everything happens. So it's very quickly. Sunday, they find the body of Roxy Rudell, a 37-year-old security guard at a marina near Oklahoma City. Her pickup truck had been stolen. They discover later on that Elliot and Gilbert had forced her to a nearby wooded area where they sit her under a tree while they rummaged through her purse, took her keys, and stole about 2 to $3. Like, she didn't have that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of makes sense because that's when, like, credit cards are starting to get big, so you're not going to have that much cash on you. Riddell told the pair that she wouldn't call the police if they, if they didn't hurt her. They're like, she's like, hey, take the money, take the car, like, just don't hurt me. Gilbert thought she was lying and got mad about it. He had Elliot tie her hands while he shot her three times in the head and once in the back of the neck just for certainty. Near to Riddell's body, they found the brewer's Oldsmobile. So pretty much they're just swapping cars and killing people. So the police and FBI are suspecting that, because remember, it's cross state borders. They're traveling a lot. So the FBI is automatically involved. They're like, okay, we think they're going to California because that's where Elliot's mother lives. The police issue a nationwide alert every like people probably watched the like evening news or at least had it on so you would see it mm-hmm. and then two people on a tuesday morning the next tuesday morning called the new mexico state police to report encounters with the pair one was a man from Lamy, new mexico which is a really small town outside of santa fe about 12 miles southeast and he said the two men had driven to his home monday afternoon and were like hey can we get some gas he gave it to them and he was like it was weird. So he was talking to his coworkers on Tuesday and 
you know, they probably brought it up and then he was like, I should probably call. The other caller from Santa Fe said he had given the pair a lift into town Monday evening and then returned to returned them to where their pickup truck was stuck in an arroyo around the Santa Fe's racetrack, which is where they were captured that morning. So like people like they probably called in like late Monday night, early Tuesday morning. And this is about 1500 miles from where they started. That's insane. Mm-hmm. State police. You and I are um, no strangers to long car rides. Oh, no. No, we're not. But this is like, in that amount of time, I mean, I guess, I mean, I can see it, but that's just because I've driven across country in four days. I have to stop. Like, I can't even make it through a full episode of a podcast without having to stop it and run to the bathroom. So I would be stopping every half hour on a trip like that. Oh no. I'm I train myself. Yeah. I you just wait until you're my age and (laughs) camel no longer shall you be. (laughs) The state police officers surprised them. Lewis Gilbert, twenty-two, Eric Elliott, sixteen, as they slept in a concrete culvert not too far from the city's airport. They found that they had two rifles, a shotgun, and a handgun nearby. They're so young. Yeah, for real. I always wonder where they get this stuff when they're that young and Midwesty. Oh. Sorry, I'm very I'm very <laughs> prejudiced about the Midwest. To me, the Midwest is really polite. They're mm-hmm. They could take over the country if they wanted to, but they would do it really politely if you guys just banded together. <laughs> I trust stop everybody. judging other states. Yes, I would trust anybody out there if I like broke down. I don't care. Yeah. I could be by a cornfield and there could be children of the corn living in there. I would still be like, oh, you want to help me? Don't do it in Ohio. We have a huge opioid problem. It's not a great idea. Um, yeah, so the... The state police used a helicopter and to like survey the area. They found the silver Dodge pickup similar to Rudell's in they so they're like they're like, okay, we found like they found the car. I think they had gotten it stuck in the desert. So that's why they were sleeping in like on top of it. So while they were sleeping in the culvert, they were just having problems because driving in a desert is a bitch. So in interviews after his arrest, Gilbert confessed to killing Lodaire, so the first victim. They've never found her body, and he was never tried for the crime. The relatives of the Brewers found the couple in the basement wood room. They had both been shot in the head, and Gilbert is convicted of murdering the Brewers and then has another uh, death sentence in Missouri in a separate trial in Oklahoma because, remember, Elliot's underage. Mm -hmm. He's 16. He was sentenced for the Riddell's murder and sentenced to life without parole. So who are these two? Gilbert was released from state prison in Ohio August 15th after serving 11 months of an 18-month sentence for stealing a boat and breaking and entering. So he probably stole a boat on like a small lake, river, you know. He had also been convicted of child endangering November 1992 because he shook and bit his three-and-a-half-month-year-old son. (gasps) Yes. And um, he was not assigned additional time for that and had received good time credit for his behavior in prison, which had reduced his sentence. Once he left prison, he was a uh, six foot four. He returned immediately to Newcomerstown, the home of his estranged wife, and where authorities knew him well. Quote, with dealings with the dealings we've had with him in the past, I consider him a violent person. End quote, says uh, the chief of police for Newcomerstown, James Friedel. Elliot, in regards, um, quote, Eric seemed like a clean cut kid but eric is the type of individual i would classify as a follower a typical teen end quote also by chief Pradell. and he had been working recently as a clerk in the local grocery store but 
his tendency to be a follower had led him into a life of crime. He was involved in a break-in at the Cy Young Lanes, a bowling alley in July that year. It was his first brush of, with the law, so he took about $30 in change from vending machines and some liquor. Fridell describes Eric basically the rest and trial, quote, he was worried about it constantly, calling the officer to find out what was going on. I don't know if meeting Gilbert pushed him over the edge or what, end quote. So really, it seems like a, a dominant personality and a, like a follower personality mm-hmm. happened. As it, as it happens, as you do. Yeah. And this type of crime. I think I'm your follower. Just please don't lead me and lead me astray. <laughs> don't lead you astray. <laughs> I don't think I would have have people be murdered. So you have family, friends, and police from Ohio, Missouri, and Oklahoma all want the pair in their courts first. And it, you know, if they all, if they had a choice, they were like, we would like to go to Ohio because we think we'll be able to stay alive. Oklahoma got first shot. Gilbert gets the death penalty. Elliot is sentenced to life without parole. Um, they actually, Gilbert's IQ was 73 and they're like, nah, that's not enough to save you from lethal injection. Nor was the fact that when he was younger, his father beat like to beat him with a two by four. He ends up being executed in 2003. His final statement, which was apparently mostly audible, he thanked God several times, quote, this is weird, but I'm actually looking forward to seeing God. I'm coming home. Thank you, God, end quote. His last meal, I only include this because I thought it was interesting, mm-hmm. was a half I'm always interesting. Is that weird? But I do look at those lists of like last meals or on Wikipedia. I I always look at that. I just thought this one was interesting. A half gallon of vanilla ice cream, a box of assorted cones, and a box of Whoppers. Yeah. Whoppers? (laughs) I was like, I was like, ice cream, man, I'm with you. Like cones? Okay, I guess you could make your bunch of own cones. Yeah. um, Or you could just crinkle them in there. Okay. But the Whoppers really threw me for a loop. Uh, Yeah. So Cleveland County District Judge. Thomas Lucas also sentenced Gilbert to death by lethal injection um, on top of it. So like Gilbert's been dead now for 16 years. On top of it, Elliot has never offered any assistance in discovering Lucy, the first victim's body. And that is the case for the, I guess, the, the strange sad tales of Gilbert and Elliot. Do you ever look at these sites to try to find the Jane Doe's and all that or cold cases to see if you can find the original bodies and stuff? <sighs> Have you ever been tempted to go look? Because there is a case near me that I've actually been tempted mm-hmm. to go searching because I'm like, where do they get all those volunteers to search? I've never heard about I'm them. I'm tempted like, I would do it. in some regards, but I think I would probably be better in the what is it? It's the one where you use uh, satellite imagery to look for bodies. I would rather do that. Oh, personally. Good point. I I wonder, I would love to do forensics or things mm-hmm. like that. Like I looked at being forensics for psychology and stuff, but I don't want to be a cop and you have to be a cop uh, to, be, to a be a detective. To be a detective, no. not to be a forensic analyst. Yeah, I don't want to be a cop to be a detective. And I don't want to like talk to people. I want you want to be an analyst where you're just in a lab. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I'll look at the finances. Mm -hmm. I will look at, you know, do psychology reports. I'll do anything that doesn't involve talking directly to people. I can't handle I can't handle a supermarket, let alone like speaking to (laughs) the opposite of me. I'm like, please put me in front of people. Like, yeah, yeah. No. So, do you want to tell everyone about your podcast and where podcast and where to find you? Sure. 
you have been so gracious and you've come on my podcast several <laughs> times. You always hit those topics that nobody else will that are too scared of. Uh, I have Sip and Shine podcast. I think we're a little similar in the fact that we both like history. We like true yeah. crime, but I do a lot of old Hollywood stories. I'm right now I'm doing Frank Lloyd Wright's <sighs> mistress that was murdered. I'm doing Banka Island massacre about the nurses. I knew this one was right up mm -hmm. your alley. I almost saved this one for you, but I got a few others like Al Capone oh, syphilis for yes. you. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I will literally write you scripts and I'm like, Courtney's going to like this one. No lie. <laughs> That's fair. I have, I have so, a weird range yeah. of topics I'm interested in. I know. And you will always pick the ones that I'm really surprised. And I'm like, and then I'm like, this is confirmed why I love this girl. <laughs> because you will write me and be like, yeah, I'll do the sinking of the Alfaro. And then I will totally share all my boat knowledge with you. And I'm like, I love this. I love it. I'm just waiting to see you on Below Deck. Um, yeah, and you can find me at Sipshine Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find you on my <laughs> podcast if you look up your yep. name. <laughs> and I am on wherever you find this one. And I'm hoping that you will be on here next week. And she'll be talking about a historical figure who I personally think is misunderstood, but that's just me. So, no. Do you think he's sexy? Apparently, he was a sex okay, machine, but not as much as Rasputin. For real. That's what I figured out when I was doing all this. I'm like, apparently cigars and beards was not just today's day and age that chicks dig. Apparently it was back in the 1950s too. Mm -hmm. They were digging the cigars You did not get a song like Rasputin though. So that's, I, oh my now God. everyone has a suck in their head. Um, so yeah, you have to go do something really quick, but we'll be back. Yes. Bye. Hey, 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 it's Carrie and I host the Sip and Shine podcast. Despite my 13-year-old sounding voice, I invite you to come listen on your favorite podcast catcher as myself and a revolving guest co-host chronicle stories of histories, mysteries, scandals, royals, true crime, and cults. We Google it so you don't have to. It's a classy little cocktail party, Mad Men style, from drinks to music to interesting convos. RSVP to the party by finding us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at SipshinePod. And of course, because this is an unscholarly podcast, we add in copious amounts of wine, inappropriate humor, candy, and reality TV references. So come pour a glass of your favorite wine or sparkling cider, because good things always start with a sip. I'm Javier with Pretend Radio, and this season, I'm embedding myself in a cult. Throw him to the ground and get his devils out! Many in the media have tried to get in front of the accused cult leader, Jane Whaley, and have failed. We have asked you to leave. But somehow, I got in. Who are you, sir? Yeah, um, I'm here to speak with Jane Whaley. She invited me to service today. Yeah. This season, we're going deeper into the Word of Faith Fellowship than ever before. This story is on a collision course, and it's not going to end well. Why would anybody want to harm him? Sometimes we hurt other people by hurting people they love. Pretend Radio, Season 3, The Prophet. What's the matter with us? We're not going to burn God's will! Right. ...of domesticity, we're available on all podcatchers. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to help spread the word, or just force other people to listen to it. Our Facebook and Twitter are at domestic podcasts and our instagram is at the cult of domesticity we also have 
podcast merch at Threadless. Uh, as well, if you want to support us financially or show some appreciation, we have a PayPal tip jar and a Patreon, which has some pretty great perks. Any topic suggestions, feel free to email us at domesticpodcast at gmail.com. Remember to stay domestic and cult-free. <laughs>